All right, here we go. Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich, and I'm the founder of 1000 Hours Outside, and I'm super excited to have Lisa Bass from Farmhouse on Boone with us today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I've been following you for a long time and you have your stuff everywhere. It's so inspiring. You got this huge YouTube channel. You've got a gorgeous blog. You're on TikTok. You have this huge Instagram account and you just have, you're on Pinterest. Pinterest is incredible. A hundred thousand followers on Pinterest. And so (laughs) you just obviously are inspiring people in all walks of life all over. So I'm so thankful for you being here and you have seven kids and you're just doing the coolest things. It's all of your making from scratch and sewing and gardening. And it's just very inspiring, I think, to see this little bit of a slower pace of life, which is probably really actually not even all that slow, but it just, it slows you down. (laughs) And so could you just give us a little background about where you get started with and how you ended up in this Victorian, this beautiful farmhouse that you have renovated almost completely. Yeah. Okay. So I've been married now for 15 years and I always like to tell people that because whenever I get a lot of questions, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember the stage that you're in currently where you're asking me that, that question. Mm -hmm. And I had all the same doubts, fears, concerns, whatever. And so I, you know, I've been on this journey for a really long time. The journey of like buying our little homestead, having tons of kids, homeschooling, learning things and, you know, trying it and messing up. And I'm just 15 years into Mm -hmm. that. And so basically I've been trying to learn all of these things day by day for the last, all of that time. So I've been a stay-at-home mom for 15 years. I had my first daughter. I was pregnant with her 15 years ago. I started my first garden. Then I started learning how to, you know, make my own sourdough starter and ferment foods and cook from scratch. And it's just been a very slow progression. And then Four years ago, we moved from our little quarter acre lot in town, which is where I learned most of these things, to an actual homestead with seven acres and an old house. And that is where we currently live. And like you said, we've renovated it. Um, the good thing about the house that we currently live in is although it, it it really like the before and afters are really great, it actually had really good bones and there wasn't anything like electrical or plumbing or any of those really big things. It kind of just needed the makeup, which is really fun. And that was the stage of life I was in. We already did that Mm -hmm. in our first house. So that was a decade long process. And I wasn't really willing to do anything like that. And so we, you know, it's been a really easy renovation in a lot of ways because it didn't require gutting. It just required me like putting on tons of makeup, which was fun. (laughs) So yeah, that's where we are. We have seven kids. We're expecting our eighth this summer. And, um, yeah, we try to, we live slow in that we're always home doing all of these things, but we also, obviously we're very, very busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause that's a lot of kids and you're doing renovations and all sorts of things. I think one of the things that's really unique about you and it's sort of a unique angle that we can take on this is that you've been doing these things for 10, 15 years and you've just become an expert at sharing them. So not only an expert in your expertise, the sourdough, and you have such a cool sourdough cookbook. I mean, there's bagels in there and all these different things, but and you talk about home birth. I mean, you have a lot of things that you talk about, but you also have done such a beautiful job of sharing those things with the world. And so I think there's probably a lot of people that are listening that 
they have passions and that they're in this process of learning. I would love to share with the world what they're doing and what they're learning. And, and clearly you can see by your success that people want this type of information or the type of information that people have to share. So you have a blogging masterclass and also a YouTube masterclass. Can you tell us just about that arm of what you do? Because I think it's really a cool, unique part of Farmhouse on Boone. Yeah. So I started a blog about seven years ago. Um, yeah. Seven, right? <laughs> like I think that's right. It says it on the website. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's right. Um, it was after, yeah, my fourth child, it was right when he was a baby. And so that would be right. Cause he's seven. And the, the purpose behind that was, yeah, I'm learning all of these things. And it's, it's funny because in those last seven years, there's so much more I've learned and I've always just taken people along with it. And I get feedback, like try this certain thing. And then I, I learned and I've grown through that. So I think partially to tell people you don't have to be at like the, you know, absolute expertise level before you start sharing. Mm -hmm. um, it's really easy to share along the way and change things as, you know, you learn new information, but um, yeah. And then my husband came home from his job five years ago um, to, we just, we, this is what we do full-time. We blog, we do YouTube. And so I started my blogging course the summer after he came home. So he came home in May, five years ago, which I guess is almost five years next month. And then I made the course later that year. Cause I always get people who are like, well, I'm sure you make an income blogging, but you probably, it's really just the course. I'm like, actually he quit his job. And then I made the course. Yeah. So I made sure that I did know what I was doing before that. But yeah, I, I do educate lots of students on how to start their own blogs. And that's over on my website, farmhousehumboon.com. Mm -hmm. And how to start a YouTube. What do you find if people are coming? Yeah. And I don't know if you know this information if maybe you do, maybe you don't, but what do you find that people are most interested in blogging about? Do you get that sort of feedback? Like what kind of blogs are they coming out? What kind of YouTube channels are they coming out with? Yeah. Um, since the niche that I are the kind of people I attract usually are people who like to DIY and do homestead things and make things from scratch. Typically a lot of students that take my course like to do those kind of mm -hmm. things. But I, I direct people away from starting in a lifestyle approach and more in a niche target audience type mm -hmm. of thing. It really does help growth whenever yeah. you niche down in something. And I think people see mine as a very lifestyle thing, but I actually have a few niches that I've built out on my blog. And yeah. so um, I do try to teach people to, to do that. Yeah, I noticed that. You have three things. And I, I'm going to tell, I'm going to read them pretty much the yeah. three, well, three main topics, right? <laughs> you have three main topics that yeah. spread into, that sounded funny. You do not just have three things, but you have sort of these three main topics, which yeah. permeate into a lot of things. So it's natural living, food from scratch and handmade home. So those are the ones that you can drop down and yeah. learn about. And so, yeah, it's interesting. Do you have anyone that's come through your courses that you've maintained a longer term relationship with over the years? Um, I have a few, yes, because I have this really active Facebook community associated with it. And so it's fun to see the growth of certain people over the years that, you know, I've just seen them go from like, you know, this is just an idea to earning an income with wow. it. And so, yeah, that's been really fun. And then the closest example I have of that is my own sister. So after my husband quit his job, she was like, wait, what? <laughs> and so she did the exact same thing just two years later. Like her husband, she started her blog and then two years later, her husband was home from his job. Wow. So I've, I've watched that very closely. 
Yeah. That is so cool. Like I said, this is a really unique thing about you that you're living it out, but then you're helping other people live it out too. And I think that it gives a lot of people a lot of hope and something to try and to look forward to if they're looking for answers on how do, how do I do something like that? And so you have got, if people are interested, they can go to Farmhouse on Boone and you have the free blogging success masterclass. And then you also have a YouTube success masterclass, a five-day blogging business challenge. And tell us about the School of Traditional Skills. Okay. So that's not actually my thing, but it, it's a it's run by the homesteading family. And they came out a year ago. So last April and shot a class here. And then my class is part of their school. And the school is really cool because it has like everything homesteaders want to learn from cheese to dairy. I mean, you know, gardening, just everything. Um, Those are the first things that pop in my head because that's what I'm thinking about right Mm -hmm. now. We have a cow that just freshened. And so I have like so much milk and I'm like, cheese, (laughs) like all this stuff. But no, they have like, and they're constantly adding new classes. So uh, that's something that I, I promote. Yeah. yeah, I have that linked over on my Instagram. Yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of things there. And even on your Pinterest, which I don't, I've hardly ever talked about people's Pinterest, but yours had some uh, fantastic ideas. Um, DIY Mother's Day gift baskets. At. I'm like, oh, this is a fantastic idea. So people can check you out there too. Do you find <laughs> that you're constantly having to learn new things with sort of the social media, YouTube, blog world? Or have you gotten to a point where you can kind of maintain and what you're doing just continues to work? It's, yeah, it's been much easier. I remember the first couple of years, every time I turned around, there was something like really difficult I had to learn. And I, I know you know that just like with all the things you do, there's always something, there's tech, there's just things that you think, like you don't even think about whenever you first start that come up. Mm-hmm. But I will say I'm at the point now where all of that comes very easily. Mm-hmm. There are like, like right now it's like, okay, I got to look into AI. That's what everybody's talking about now. You know, like how do I figure all that out? But it's not near that it was like learning something new because the base of everything, I completely understand. It's really simple. It's second nature. It's in my routine. And so, yeah, all of that has become a lot easier. There are sometimes new things where I'm like, I guess I should look into that. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like the world will go on if I don't. And so I'm mostly not that worried about it. Okay. So tell us about summer is coming and you have a baby coming, baby number eight. Tell us how you maintain your home schedule and gardening and canning and cooking from scratch. What does that look like with a newborn? Well, I don't know because I always have my babies in the fall. Okay. <laughs> and this one's like, I'm like, I'm, I think it's going to catch me off guard because I just feel like I have, you know, like the way this normally works, I have all summer and then I have a new baby and it's like fall and rest time. So I'm honestly not sure, but I am holding it all very loosely mm-hmm. in our garden this year. We are putting in, like, I'm not growing anything weird or different. I'm just growing tomatoes, onions, peppers herbs and flowers. And that's it. I'm not going to do like kohlrabi and uh, just anything else, (laughs) like nothing that I'm not or beets or anything that I'm not used to. That's very easy to grow. And then even still, most likely there'll be a lot of tomatoes that rot or go to the chickens. I'll probably, I mean, I don't know. I will see how it goes, but I'm not overly worried about it. Thankfully we live in a day and age where if I don't can, we'll be okay. So We'll see. (laughs) I love that. I actually like a love that you said that. That's how I should garden. Tomatoes, onions, peppers, herbs, and flowers. 
That's it. Yeah. I mean, I'm always I, trying yeah. to do the other things. The broccoli, the cabbage, <laughs> it doesn't turn out. Right. It's, it's eaten. I'm, you know, what is yeah. this? That's really a cool thing. Yep. And if you were starting with gardening, that's actually a great list to start with too, because you're probably going to be at least mildly successful with some of those things and you can actually use them. So yeah, I really exactly. like that. So babies come in and you just simplify. And then, okay, we can do, we never talked about this because this is a thousand yeah. hours outside and it's a little off what we talk about. But I do think it's cool that you had a baby in a van, in your van, baby three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then ever since you just had your babies at home. Yeah. Baby number three. I had all home births after that. Tell us about having a baby in your van. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So we, yeah, we left the house and I, looking back, like I was going to a birthing center. And so the midwife there also does home births. And so she was like, why don't you just call me and have you come, have me come to your house? And I'm like, it just wasn't the plan. And so I didn't think of that, but yeah, that would have been smart. So yeah, I do the Bradley method of birth, which basically just means you teach yourself to relax very deeply through the contractions. And it works very, very, very well. Mm. I've had contractions where I'm unable to fully relax. And then I've had contractions where like, you know, a few later I am able to like slip into that deep relaxation and the difference in pain level is very different. And so I think with him, mm -hmm. I was doing it pretty well to the point where I wasn't aware of how far I was into the labor. Cause people are like, Oh, you must've had like a 45 minute labor. I didn't, I just didn't go. Yeah. Like I should have just gone. And so when we left the house, I was kind of already in the pushing phase, which now I would recognize after having so many children, I would definitely be like, okay, well, we're not leaving because clearly I'm pushing. I didn't quite recognize hmm. it. And so we, you know, Luke was speeding and we got pulled over and oh. we just, we didn't make it not even close. <laughs> it's one of those stories that you yeah. always think about. Like when you see someone that's really speeding and you think, oh, why are they speeding? And then you're like, well, maybe they're having a baby. <laughs> maybe yeah. and That's really what happened. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was three in the morning, so, you know, it wasn't like there was a ton of other cars yeah. out, but, um, people are like, well, did he pull over? And he asked me if he wanted me to pull or if he, if I wanted him to pull over, but I'm like, well, here we are. We don't know if the baby's not breathing. Like I don't have any training in this, so don't pull over. Let's just get as close as possible. So we were driving like 70 miles an hour when we had him, And when he came out and he was crying, I'm just like, just slow down. We're good. Wow. <laughs> but get there, but just slow down. Wow. Well, he was driving. You, you had the baby. That's incredible. So then you transitioned to having your babies at home. I think if I could go back in time, I would, and if I could yeah. give advice, I'm going to do it. I'm giving you advice since this is my podcast. <laughs> my, I would say <laughs> you just have to wait. Yeah, you you have to wait you longer at home. Like, I wish I would have known to wait longer. I think you know, it's like you're excited. You don't really know what's going on. And, you know, those contractions right. start and you go. We went to the and I ended up for my kids, I ended up having two C-sections because it didn't progress and you're in the hospital. You can't move around. Right. You're stuck to machines. Mm -hmm. So for our fifth baby, I went to the apple orchard all day. We were there all day and I was having contractions at the apple orchard. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> and like you just, you're kind of like living your life. And then I came home and the baby was born in 90 minutes. So I'm like, oh, if I could only go back in time, I probably would have done yeah. a little more living. Yeah. I'd heard other people like in time that they were like, oh, I bake a cake while I'm having contractions. I never heard of that. You know, it's like you think, oh, as soon as those contractions start. Yeah, right. Yeah, it really does. It, it distracts you. It makes you not so focused on it. I think if you are like hyper focused on what's happening, it makes you in your mind 
be a little bit too worked up. Mm -hmm. And so I really definitely do the thing where I almost like pretend I'm not in labor until I absolutely can't ignore it. And it's served me well for babies three through seven. So it's worked out really well. Just be like going about my day, like with my last baby, um, he's almost 18 months, I think. I was still doing dishes at like 8 PM and Luke's like, well, just lay down and you know, do you have to do dishes? I'm like, no, I'm just going to go as if nothing's happening. And he was born at 1030. So mm-hmm. it was very much like the last couple hours I was totally just going about yeah. doing whatever. Yeah. You don't think about that. You think, oh, I got to rush. I got to get there. But I think the opposite, it works well to wait it out. And then at the last possible minute, and then it feels it's kind of quick. So congratulations to you, baby number eight. It's so exciting. Large families are so much fun. What do your kids like on the homestead? Like I know, I mean, kids, I think some kids love it. Some kids don't. All kids are different. Some of my kids like to go outside more than others do. But do you have any ones that really have fallen in love with different aspects of it? Um. I wouldn't say any of them have shown like a super strong interest as far as like, I know some families, you know, a certain child will be 12 and is like obsessed with dairy and they'll read the books. And I don't have anybody who's that, but, um, you know, they all participate. Mm -hmm. They all come out. Well, at least three or four of them come out during the morning chores. And then a few of them have some certain things they need to do in the house. I have one daughter. She's more interested. Like she's really excited with me about learning to make cheese. She's very like looking forward to when our cheese press comes and all of the stuff that we want to do. And then in my three-year-old, he's obsessed with collecting the eggs. And so it kind of just goes through mm-hmm. certain phases with who's excited about what, but um, we definitely get them involved. It's not forced. And I'm not super like, I don't know, we, we compare ourselves. And I, I do have friends who certain kids have been become very interested in like rabbit breeding and they'll explore everything there is to know on that. And my kids have interests like that where, you know, they want a course on it. They want to stay up late learning about it, but it it doesn't necessarily have to do with homestead Hmm. stuff, which is totally fine. That's super cool. I think at some point they'll be interested. Mm -hmm. And if not, whatever, that's fine too. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com outside120 code outside 120. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just 2 minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. 
Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. And interesting, like you said, I do think that the chores themselves, they sort of go in this cyclical, like three-year-olds to go collect eggs. How fun for them and how good for them to learn how to tell much pressure that you touch and you got to be careful and you see the different colors. That's so cool for a three-year-old. Now, you grew up on a farm, on an elk farm? Yeah. Yeah, an elk farm. Yeah, which is very interesting. (laughs) Did that translate? Well, yeah, tell us about that. I don't know if I've ever really even heard of an elk farm. Yeah, so I mean, (laughs) yeah, it's not super common. Um, My dad, I don't know when or how he became interested in the elk, but I was really young, so I guess I wouldn't remember that. But uh, it was cool. Like we had 40 acres all fenced in with eight foot game fence. And we had, you know, we had bulls with massive antlers like you'd see out in Colorado. And we had, you know, whenever it was breeding time, they'd put together. And then we had like a little pen where we would wean the calves and just being around all of that was interesting. I think, you know, the the homestead interest, because my parents didn't have like a homestead. Hmm. They didn't have like pigs and cows and like, you know, they just had kind of like cows and elk and that kind of thing. But I've just always been drawn to the rural lifestyle. Like it's just, I've always liked wide open spaces and having animals around. I It's probably because that's how I grew up, but yeah, like having plenty of space to run around. It's just, it is mm-hmm. how I grew up. So I'm so used to it. Also, I have an ex- uh, experience with large animals. Like we are always in 4-H and so I learned, you know, we'd get a calf at 12 months and then train them till late till the fair time where we could lead them around. And so whenever we went to get a dairy cow, that part was less intimidating for me because I'm used to being around large animals and like trying to control them um, so that you can get them to where you need them to go. That can be intimidating for people, but I did have experience yeah. with that. It's interesting because farming can look different in so many different ways. So you grew up on the elk farm, but like you said, it wasn't really a homestead. It's a difference. A, a difference. And yeah, it's kind of interesting to see where you can take it. There's so many different avenues. So, okay, so food from scratch, this is one of your big things. And sourdough is really a huge thing that you do. So what is your day-to-day cooking routine like? Okay, yeah, that probably changes somewhat with the seasons. Right now is a particularly intense time because we're getting four gallons of milk a day. And so I have just been trying to stay up on top of that, which without making like wheels of hard cheese, which I should have learned all of the skills I needed for that and had all the materials I needed before the cow came in milk because it wasn't a surprise. We knew she was due in April, but I like have to be forced to do things. That's just how I operate. Like I jump in and then whenever it becomes 
super important. That's when I have to learn things. So I'm in the process of that, but right now, yeah, I'm spending, I'm making mozzarella. I'm, I'm like making yogurt. So I'm spending a lot of time in the kitchen, but I would say like on a regular basis, especially during school time, which we're still in school time. Mm-hmm. Um, the morning will involve me like feeding the starter, maybe getting some dough going, or if the starter was fed the night before getting something in the oven for lunch, maybe getting some yogurt started, just like little tasks that I can get going mm-hmm. and then have them going throughout the day, maybe some bone broth going. And then we you know, have something like prepared for lunch. And then usually dinner, I work, I have like my work hours mm-hmm. from one to four in the okay. afternoon, Monday through Thursday. So four days a week. And then, so after four is when I will um, get something going for dinner. We usually have a more simple dinner and a more, not elaborate, but like I have more time with lunch because I'll be in the kitchen helping kids with yeah. homeschool. And so I can like get more stuff going and that's where I can like get bread going. Whereas in the evening time, I only have about an hour and it's usually busier huh. because we're done with school and kids are just kind of everywhere. That's interesting. That's a good idea to flip flop depending on when you have time in the kitchen. And maybe some people would have more time in the morning. Yeah. That's really interesting. Okay. So, okay. So I'm doing the math here. You have 440,000 subscribers on YouTube and 100,000 on Pinterest and 300,000 or something on Instagram and this huge Facebook community and you work 12 hours a week. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible, yeah, I Lisa. Have, have lots of help too. Okay. <laughs> but, but what a cool, that's so inspiring that you've been able to figure that out for yourself. Good for you. Yeah. It's been a process over the years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause I know it's like, you don't want to spend all your time working. You've got a bunch of kids and you got stuff to do. So that's really cool. I like how you do that. That's really neat. Yeah. Um, okay. So food from scratch and people can get, I think if they sign up for your email, they get a sourdough book, right? A sourdough ebook. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm working on revamping that a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. 50 page bagels, bread, desserts, and more. And you have so many awesome videos online that people can kind of watch from start to finish. So food from scratch. And then you, you talk about a handmade home. One of the things I was most interested in are the beeswax wraps. Cause I've always seen them and I just wonder how they work. Yeah. I can't say I use them very regularly. I have in the past, but like currently I just have gotten out of the habit of making them, but the idea, especially with dough. So what right now I'm relying more heavily on damp tea towels, mm-hmm. which you have to constantly rewet. So that way your dough doesn't get dried out. And so I will, if I'm home, you know, which most days I am, I will just like get my dough going, get a tea towel wet, lay it on top. And then I'll throughout the day, get it wet again as it dries out. Whereas like a beeswax wrap, it's like a tea towel that's sealed with beeswax. So you don't have to do that. Mm. And if you don't, and you're, and you're doing a long fermented dough, like sourdough, it has to rise so long that the air will get in and then it'll get dried out on top. And so that is a really good solution. If you're you know trying to do no waste and you don't want to use foil or you don't want to have to babysit a wet tea towel, that's a really good option. Ah, it's super interesting. So you can make it on your own. And I've seen people use it for the, you run on a picnic, you can pack stuff up in it. I just, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that I can't quite wrap my head around. I think those are the types of things you just have to try. So you get it. Like it just kind of sticks together and then do you wash it? 
Yeah, you can only wash it with cool water because if it gets hot, it'll chip off the fabric mm. and then obviously it, it'll lose its airtightness. Interesting. So you kind of just wash it with cool water. Just It's like a more durable piece of plastic wrap. So hmm. you can use it for a really long time, but not forever okay. if you care for it properly. Like you can imagine how you could almost like clean off a piece of plastic yeah. wrap for quite a while. Um, that would be similar, but just like a lot stronger. Okay. So that's on your website. People can learn how to make them and then how to care for them. Beeswax wraps. And then you also sew. So that's one of the things that you do different sewing projects. Mm-hmm. Have you always been interested in sewing? Pretty much. Yeah. I've been interested in sewing for as long as I can remember. I started in 4-H when I was a kid. And then I really dove in whenever I had my first two, because my first two kids are girls and they were so much fun to sew for. And so I enjoyed it. And then now those girls are 14 and 12 and well, the second one loves to bake. She does not love to sew, but the first one just loves sewing. She's just like me in that way. So yeah, I've loved it forever and I still love it. Like I don't get a whole lot of time to do it right now. I'm working on some lined curtains for the boys room and I'm, I have like two panels made of eight and I'm just kind of chipping away at it whenever I get the time. But that's something that would be fun for me. Mm-hmm. Like a, that'd be a good, an idea of like a good Saturday night for me <laughs> would be so. Oh, that's like, I love that. That's like an old fashioned thing that at night you sit down and you sew. I was just talking <laughs> to Jill Winger and she was talking about how when you when you do things with your hands, it helps with like releasing serotonin. You just feel better. And so it was an interesting thing that sewing, it's something we've really moved away from. And, and I don't, we have a sewing machine that I don't use much, but we like cross stitch and my grandma was really good at embroidery. So those are like the ones that you can kind of take with you. So I love that resurgence of sewing. So tell us a couple of the projects. You've got projects right on your website. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have, um, and and my sewing tutorials have become less and less as I've had more kids and more and more recipes. Mm -hmm. But that's just because that's like what I'm sharing because I can make I make food every single day. Whereas like sewing is something that I have to carve time out. I am working on tutorials for the curtains right now, but on my website, some of the most popular are, I have how to slip cover a wingback chair, which is so tedious. It's not something I recommend as a first project, but it's also really rewarding. I've had the two slip covered wingback chairs in my house for seven years now. And so they've held up just a really great way to transform something that's really cheap. Mm -hmm. I have like how to make a duvet cover, how to make bed skirts, curtains, how to make pleated curtains with pleater hooks. I have like, yeah, tons, tea towels for the beginners. Yeah. That's really cool. Muslin swaddle blankets and um, linen totes. Yeah. I think when I think of sewing, I tend to think of, or sewing with a sewing machine, I tend to think of clothing. And so it's really cool to see that you have these tutorials for the things around your home. And then you've got a fantastic pictures about when you've redone all the things on your farmhouse. So you can see a lot of the things that you've sewn and you've remodeled and things like that. So that's really cool. So, and what are some of the more popular food from scratch sites that people go to, which is what some of the recipes that seem to be the top? Um, The most popular recipes are all sourdough at this point. And that's, there's been a huge spike in interest in that since 2020. And I really thought it was just a fad, but it's it's continued to be something that people are really interested in, which is funny because I started sharing sourdough on my website like five years ago, and it's just became interesting in the last like three years. But um, the most popular is my no need sourdough bread recipe, mm-hmm. 
the bagels, the pancakes, just, yeah, most of the sourdough ones. Yeah, that you can do almost every day. People are probably every single day making their yeah. sourdough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think it is? What do you think it is that is so sort of enchanting about that? Man, it's just so satisfying to see something beautiful come from raw ingredients. It's the same thing with sewing. And it's, mm. it's yeah, you can buy curtains, you can buy bread. So it's not like, you know, you need to do it. You can buy milk at the store, but it's just so satisfying to have an idea, even with bread, like executing like a beautiful scoring pattern mm. and a, have this beautiful rise. It's fun every single time. It doesn't get old. I had I've made like four loaves of bread in the last two days. I just truly enjoy it. Most of the time I don't even take a picture of my bread. Like it's just, I don't, I don't know why, but I mean, it practically came about because during COVID people couldn't get bread and yeast for a while. And so they wanted to figure out how they could make their own yeast at home, but then why it kept going. I know why I'm in love with it. And it's just, it's so fun to like, like braid bread and then watch it rise and then do an egg wash and watch it be browned and the oven spring. I don't know. I, I love making and always. I love this. That is really interesting, but I do remember not being able to get yeast. Absolutely. I remember you couldn't find it. Yeah. That's so interesting. I love what you said. It is fun every single time. And what else is like that? That is so interesting. It's fun every single time. I feel that way about when you grow a flower. It's fun every single time. Right, exactly. Every single time you go out and yeah, see you food. don't need to grow flowers. You can't eat them or do anything except look at them. But I'm definitely putting flowers in my garden. Yeah. Or we grow, um, and we're new to it, but like even like the fun fall pumpkin-y type things, there's so many varieties. They're all knobby mm-hmm. or there's like the swan neck one and there's yes. a birdhouse one. And it just is fun yeah. every single time. And they're cute when they're little, you know, when they first start to grow. I love that. I'm going to be thinking about that forever. Mm-hmm. That really what you're, that's what you're <laughs> offering is you're offering these simple things of life that are fun every single time you do them. That's what it is. Yeah. And they're just the basic, the basic things of, of life. You know, it's almost like we're just meant to work with our hands to make ourselves the things that we need, you know? Yeah. And it brings so much joy. Gosh, I really like that. Oh, how cool. So, this is a totally different topic, but I've read that you love to be barefoot. Is that still true? It is true. Um, I do. I, I'm always, almost always too lazy to put shoes on. <laughs> Ch- we have like 40 chickens running around now. So I probably put on shoes more often than I did when I first wrote that. But I still run out to the garden barefoot. I just take my chances, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good for you. I've got one friend that too. And walking across the gravel, walking across, it's like your feet get used to it. Yeah. They toughen up. Yeah, I know. All my kids can run across gravel. Yeah. Okay. And your sister said you should write a book called Barefoot on Boone. Do you think you're going to do it? <laughs> I need to update my about page. She said that so many years ago. I probably won't because I'll, I just will probably only ever make books on like projects. And I don't know. I don't, I don't feel my, like I'm like the best at articulating my words. I'm more like, okay, here's how you do this. That, <laughs> sure, that would be my skill. Sure. Oh, I kind of feel the same. Won't be any memoirs. <laughs> but it is kind yeah. of interesting. I think sometimes you look at your own life and you're in the middle of it. So it feels normal and just kind of routine. But from the outside in, a memoir is actually a really cool thing. And like you said, 15 years, I think that yeah. thought of like this stuff doesn't happen overnight. And 15 years feels like a really long time. 
like a really long time. In 50 years, I'm going to be almost, you know, I'm going to be like pushing 60. (laughs) So, I mean, that feels like a long time away, Right. right? But at some point that time does come. And so if you start now, then what you're doing is you're slowly building up these different skill sets. And then you have this life that you really want because you're able to adjust along the way. But if you never try, so I think that's kind of, I mean, I think that's kind of a cool thought of a memoir. If it's not even written down, it's like, you can almost look at your life as this memoir and see like how far you've come and you've tried different things. Have there been like any major things that stand out that were really hard to get through in the last, since you started this? Yeah, I think um, like as far as like the business side of it, there's been just challenging aspects all along the way. As far as like gardening and all of that kind of stuff, I don't feel like I've advanced to the level I should have with gardening, Mm -hmm. but then there's other areas. Like I feel like I'm still just at the basics. Like I don't know any of these advanced techniques that all these people talk about. I'm still just able to get like the basics out, which is fine. But I've seen a lot of progress with my baking skills for sure. Mm. But I'm sure like, oh man, and I'm already worried about, you know, I'm going to, I'm probably going to mess it up. I'm going to waste like five gallons of milk at one time. Mm. And I'm, and that's something I'm just, I'm going to get past because I, so many times, yeah, like I've tried something a hundred times it didn't work, but then like the last time it's finally, it's improving a little bit each time. And so, yeah, I'm sure along the way there's been lots of challenges, but I don't feel like I've anything I've done has been that significant. I feel like I've just over the last 15 years, I've just like kind of worked on this lifestyle a little bit each day. And even without the blog or the business, you know, this is all the stuff that I would be doing, like learning how to improve my sewing skills, improve my sourdough skills, and just keep plugging away at all that. Yeah. I think it's really cool that you share it. Because it, help, it really is such a help. Obviously, you know that because you've had thousands of people that have taken your classes and your courses. And I think that the waste part is an interesting topic because I do feel that fear of waste of both money and time, both things. Mm-hmm. And so the other day, I yeah. mean, I made a mm-hmm. recipe the other day for lunch and it was a total flop. Like no one ate it. It was a toe pop. We actually were joking around trying to get, I think our oldest son was outside. So he came back in for lunch and everyone was like, this is the best lunch ever. (laughs) Just to see what he would, like what his reaction would be. It was so awful. And then I'm starting to calculate in my mind, well, that cost me $22 or something. And and there is, it's it's a hard part. You spend a lot of time in your garden and- It is. But I guess if you look at your life in this course of, you know, a decade and a half, I mean- you know, I don't know, it's kind of cheesy, but it's like, well, that's kind of the cost of growth and learning is that there's going to be some waste along the way. It is. It is. And so many people, that is the thing that keeps them from starting like, for example, sourdough, because that's the thing I get the most questions about just because it's the highest traffic everywhere is sourdough. And so people are so fearful of taking ingredients and wasting them. And I understand, but it is the cost. And Hmm. I think, who was that? Somebody said, I call that tuition. Like when you do something stupid and you you waste or you lose money or anything, that's just like life tuition. You know, like you go to school and you spend money to learn things. Well, this is how that works too. And so, you know, and the thing with sourdough is you can always turn it into something else. I don't normally waste food. Now, if I screw up a whole batch of cheese, it will like it just, it just will. And I, I don't know why, like wasting food bothers me more than wasting money. I swear. I don't know why it's weird, but um, yeah, it's, you have to get past it and just try stuff. Well, cause you have a lot of people to feed maybe. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. It's like, I think it's cause your time is tied up mm. with it too. 
Like when you waste food, it's, yeah, it's not just the money tied up in it. It's also. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com slash outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Yeah, it's time and heart. So, you know, it's like I made this lunch. I thought it was going to be amazing. And you're like, you're waiting for everyone to be like, this was great, mom. And everyone's like, (laughs) so there's a little bit of that too. Yeah. And you just, that failure is kind of right in your face. And you're like, oh man, it just didn't work out. But I really love that concept of tuition. Yeah, that we're Mm -hmm. learning and we're growing. And I do think that as adults, it's an interesting thing that we don't put money toward that uh, growth really. We don't tend yeah, to. You, right. know, you do that all the way through yeah. your childhood. And then if you're in certain right. careers, you have to. You have to go to professional development or different things like that. But as a parent or as a homesteader or as anyone who's growing, there's, you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't take piano lessons anymore. I don't, there's no money that's going toward personal growth, maybe aside from a couple self-help books or something. So that's right. a good reframe that this is a tuition yeah, yeah. that I'm trying to yeah, learn. Yeah, it really helps mm-hmm. because 
it, yeah. Why wouldn't we think we're going to have to mess things up? Like I know for a fact, I'm going to mess up a wheel or two of cheese. And the temptation is to want to like get every last bit of information before you try something Mm. to make sure that that doesn't happen. And I get questions where I'm like, you're past the question stage. You now just need to go. (laughs) And I know that like, that's where I am with this. And I, I see it in people with the questions they ask, like, at some point, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to try it. Yeah. I can't give you any more info. You yeah. just need to go forth, feel that dough. Yeah. I'm going to I felt with the garden. I bought so many gardening books and then I didn't actually learn how to do it until I did it. And then yeah. I got it. It's just things that then it clicked. Yeah. It doesn't click until you're actually doing it. And that involves messing some things up and learning, which is why I think it's important to start as soon as you can. Because we don't mm-hmm. have unlimited time. And, you know, right. it's, it, things are seasonal. So if you're trying something in the garden, you don't get to try again until next year. <laughs> how many how right. many opportunities yes. are there really to try these things? And so you just have so much information out there that people can grab and they can start now. Start now. Try the things now and learn and grow and follow in your example. So if people are wanting to find your everything, because you have everything, um, even I liked this, even a fall capsule wardrobe. That was one of the things under your Instagram. How do you, man, with clothes for, you're about to have 10 people in your family. Do you sort of simplify or is it a little chaotic? Um, so yes, thanks for reminding me that I need to update my Instagram. <laughs> well, I don't I think it's, I, well, I don't, it's, I know that wasn't the point. <laughs> no, I'm going to do that. I know it wasn't, but I'm like, oh wait, it's now spring. I should probably fix that. Um, but yes, I like, I just swapped out the boys clothes. Cause I have two girls and then five boys and the two girls are older and they can like deal with their own stuff. But like the boys, I do a full blown swap out two times a year. So in October and May, which we did a little bit early because it's been Mm -hmm. so hot already, which is crazy. um, I just keep things so minimal. They each have like four or five outfits to where if everything was in the laundry, it still would be okay. It would fit in the basket (laughs) before it had to make its way to all of their rooms. Yeah. That's the only way I can manage literally everything in my house is not only decluttering all of the the wardrobes and just making, we don't even have closets. So I I can't keep out Mm -hmm. just a lot of clothing. I just can't. So it it makes it easy, but then I also do it with, with possessions. I mean, I just cannot take care of that many people's things. And I don't, and there are different personalities of kids and some kids are very like meticulous with all of their possessions and they take care of them. Mine aren't that way. It's an uphill battle. And I realize they have to learn to take care of things but I have to make it to where it's manageable Mm -hmm. for all of us. And so we just really minimize constantly. Yeah. A capsule wardrobe is such a cool thing. And so whether it's fall or spring, I think you, or summer, you can look and get the the general premise from it. I had known this woman and I don't think she's still in business, but she was selling little capsule wardrobes for kids. And it was just great. It was like, you know, a little summer dress wool. So it, you know, they don't get stinky and it, wreaths, you know, with a little pair of leggings. And then there was a t-shirt you could swap out with. And I just thought, you know, this is a great idea to have just a couple mix and match things so that you're spending your time more on all of these things that you're learning and growing and doing with your hands and less on managing stuff and clothing and that type of thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause you can, you can spend your whole life I've been there like before I really took a good look at what we had. And this was, this was several kids ago. 
I felt like all I was doing was cleaning up my house. I'm like, I cannot spend all of my time cleaning up my house. Yeah. <laughs> like we can't do this. And I have more help now because a lot of the kids are older. So that helps, but still, you know, you have to stay on top of people and have routines and schedules to do all of that. Mm-hmm. And that's all great, but also just make the job a little easier, you know? Yes. Cause it is hard to stay on top of everyone. That is the whole other thing. Yeah. We have tried all the things, a checklist and, and you yes. can't, I mean, you can stick with it for two or three weeks. My kids know too. They'll tell me, they're like, this isn't going to last forever, mom. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I know. Cause I am not that kind of person. I've just come to terms with mm-hmm. it and just not how yeah. we operate. <laughs> yeah. So I think that would be a big question looking at someone's life that is seven kids and pregnant with an eighth and is running a business and also doing the things that you're teaching is how do you keep up with it all? And I know you have a lot of good information. Let's just talk real quick about your podcast. And that's one of the ways that we connected is I was on your podcast a while ago. You have a phenomenal podcast about all sorts of these topics that we're talking about, minimalism, getting started in your garden. So I think that's a great resource for people. Do you have an episode or two that sticks out if people wanted to start listening to your podcast where they would, it's this called the Simple Farmhouse Life, yes. where they would begin? Hmm. There's like almost 200 episodes on there, I think. Say <laughs> That's a good question. I can't even think of like what have been the best episodes. Um, I do have a little like a website for the pod. I mean, obviously it's on Apple, Spotify, all that stuff, but I also have a website and I do have like the top episodes kind of highlighted on it. So I have that at simple farmhouse life podcast.com, but otherwise you can just search simple farmhouse life on any of the podcast apps. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess just the most recent ones. I can't, I don't know. I've had, you said you, you had Jill winger on, I've had her on a couple of times. I've had you on. Mm-hmm. Um, those are obviously good episodes. Uh, <laughs> what about, I was like, that was the answer I was hoping for, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those are great episodes. Um, yeah, and then just a lot of like, I, I love bringing on people who maybe are only on Instagram or something. It's always like fun for people to see those people in other contexts. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm bringing them over to the podcast yeah. world. Yeah. It is interesting. I think we need podcasts to be on either end of the microphone. Like if you're the one that's on the mm-hmm. interview side or the interviewee side, I think that's fun too. It's fantastic. And you have a lot of things that are seasonal, so it's all applicable. So I think some of the most recent ones I saw were getting started with food preservation. So if you're talking about, look, like if you want to preserve food, you have to have a little idea of what you're going to be doing now because if it's yeah. coming. So you right. kind of have to have a, a yeah. small idea at least about well, if I'm going to do tomatoes, then, you know, I need to have a little bit of an idea before August what I'm going to be doing with them. So that one looks super interesting getting started. And I think that a lot of us are getting started. Like, how do we get started with food preservation? Growing a bountiful garden on a budget looked really interesting to me because like we talked about, it can actually be really expensive if you're putting in mm-hmm. raised beds yeah. and all of these different things. So just real seasonal, like that's what we should be listening to now. So the podcast has so much to offer. So I just think this whole package of Lisa is so interesting (laughs) because, you know, you reach out into all these different areas, but then you're still living it. It's like you haven't lost that. And so I really think that that balance, which is hard to find, I think we're always having to chase it down, that you exemplify that. And I'm sure that you don't feel that it's perfect, but you really, that shines through you that, you know, I'm going to live how I want to live. I'm going to share it and find ways to make that work for our family. So 
And do you find that people are still constantly coming? Because I know our world is evolving. Obviously, blogs were maybe a little bit bigger back seven, 10 years ago. Do you find that people are still those starting blogs today, starting their websites basically based around their interests? Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing that I think people are really surprised to hear is my biggest income still comes from ads on my blog. So that is where I get the most traffic, like the most eyeballs. I know like, like, oh, you have a big Instagram and a big YouTube. And I'm like, I still get more eyes on my website every month than I do any of those places. So it's definitely still like, it's my favorite way to share mostly because I can remove myself from it, which I love doing YouTube. I love doing podcasting. I love doing Instagram. I don't think I'll love doing that forever. Mm-hmm. And so just having my blog, which feels it's personal because it's all stuff that I I make, but it's also really not like I, you know, when people are searching for a sourdough bread recipe, they don't really care where it came from mm-hmm. as long as it's good and they, you know, they can follow the directions. And so, yeah, blogs are wow. very um, under rated. Mm-hmm. They've sustained. <laughs> in my opinion. It's interesting. I read something yeah. one time about sort of long form. I can't remember what it was, but it was like about long form technology that some things sustain and some things don't. So there was that thing a while ago, it was like called TiVo, where it, w- it was like the first thing where you could record a show online and watch it later. And that didn't sustain. Mm-hmm. And some things come and go like MySpace that didn't sustain. But yeah. email has yeah. sustained and right. yeah. and blogs have sustained. And sometimes I think that's a scary part of it because you think, okay, should I invest in X, Y, or Z? Like our podcast going to sustain or, or it's a, and sometimes right. you don't know. It's like a little bit of, you got to just try it and, and hope for the best. But that is super interesting that blogs have been one of those things that have continued to, I mean, they've been around for a long time and continue to bring in income. Yeah. So people should definitely come. Your blogging success masterclass is free. Yeah. Yeah. So I do have a paid course Mm -hmm. and I offer that in the masterclass, but yeah, blogging, I think people, they visit blogs without really realizing that they're doing it. So like we all Google, you know, certain things, we Google recipes and we go, you know, we end up on that and we don't, we, I think we still think of blogs as like a a web log Mm -hmm. of your life. And it looks way different than that. It's not that anymore. That world is over. That's where people share that kind of content on Instagram, on YouTube, whereas like blogs are are reserved for a very certain kind of content. Mm -hmm. And so um, we still all use blogs, but I think we don't realize it because we're thinking of them as something else. But like you said, as like an online business person, you worry about certain things dying that's why I try to just dip my toe into all of it. Mm. Like, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll be on podcasts. I'll be on Facebook. I'll be on all these places. That way, you know, if one arm of it totally just fades into non-existence, which could totally happen with any of right. it, we still have the podcast. We still have the email list. We still mm. have, you know, Pinterest, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really it. wise. Lisa, this has been awesome. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to get to talk to you, to be on the other side of this. People want to find you, your blog website is farmhouseonboom.com. Boone is B-O-O-N-E and I'll put it in the show notes and you're at Farmhouse on Boone and the podcast is simple. Farmhouse Life anywhere you find your podcast and then you're on TikTok. You've got your Facebook community, Pinterest, which a Pinterest is a great place to go to. It's really organized. All the pins that you've created Lots of cool ideas. Like I said, this DIY Mother's Day gift basket. I saw DIY window boxes and they're all just easy things. Your YouTube channel has over 700 videos. 
And you can get Lisa's sourdough ebook if you sign up for the email list. So lots there for people to go and to check out. So thank you. And we always end our podcast with the same question. The question is, what's a favorite memory from your childhood that was outside? Oh boy, I have so many. Um, I'll just say that probably float trips. So in in Missouri, we have we do something we call float trips, which we just get a canoe and we go down the river, and we have these beautiful bluffs and just these really really beautiful rivers. And we're still doing it today with our kids. But I'd say float trip. That's not really a specific memory, mm. but it's just that's a mine lot too. But we don't call them float trips. So I'm okay. changing my vocabulary immediately. We just call it two. We what just call, call it like tubing, or you go canoeing okay. down the river. Yeah, but float trips is way better. Float and trips. so there we go. <laughs> That's going to change my life because yeah. we've got some pretty rivers here in Michigan too. So you just, I just yeah. love that as a kid. It's so beautiful and peaceful, and you float down the river and you stop for a picnic lunch. But we do not have that good terminology, so I'm changing. That's awesome. Well, Lisa, thank <laughs> you. Like, thank yeah. you for taking your time. I know you're busy and you're pregnant and you have so much going on. So I know that all our listeners are so thankful that you came on to share with us. And uh, I'm looking into your courses. you got such cool things. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 